page 768, John chapter 20. Seven, six, eight, John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Jesus and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying?' They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus turned to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Oh, sorry, stop there. <laughs> I was very excited. Our second reading uh, comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're on page 815. We start right at the bottom right of that page, and then we jump quickly to the next page. So here we go. Verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, 
and the mortal with immortality. And the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Good evening, friends. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Simon. I'm one of the pastors here at Church by the Bridge. Uh, I love Carmen's response. I just got excited. Um, it is exciting, isn't it, to be here tonight uh, as we think upon the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we also get to think upon uh, his glorious resurrection from the dead. Uh, let me pray as we come before God's word uh, tonight. Let me pray. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Father, we praise you that we can stand here tonight, we can sit here tonight in the knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ has come into the world, given up glory, to dwell bodily amongst us. Father, we praise you for him. We thank you for his life lived. Father, we praise you for his death. And we want to praise him tonight for his resurrection. Father, We've all come from different backgrounds tonight. We might have been dragged along by a friend. Father, we might sit here tonight in love again with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We might sit here tonight troubled, anxious, uh, angry even. Father, I pray that tonight as we think upon our Saviour, as we think upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we might have his peace and your peace amongst us. Father, remind us again, refresh us tonight, perhaps for the first time, reveal your great truth and promises to us. And I pray, Father, we would not leave here unchanged by the life of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the things I've been thinking about in the lead-up to Easter is just how amazing Jesus is. Uh, Just how incredible the Lord Jesus Christ is what he did for us, his person, his character, his love, his words, his actions. Uh, the writer John in his gospel says that Jesus did so many amazing things. He said so many amazing things that not even all the books of the world could contain the amazing things that Jesus said and did. Uh, he is a staggering man. Uh, he is amazing. Uh, tonight, we only have a short period of time. I won't be able to take us through every amazing thing Jesus said and did. Uh, it's not possible to do that tonight. just want to make that up front, just make it clear what we can't do tonight. But what I want us to see tonight is three events in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and three promises attached to those events from the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that help us make sense of this life in which we live the one life that we have been given by God to live in this world, in this place. Three events, three promises attached to those events to make sense of life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle to make sense of this life. I wonder, do you struggle to make sense of life? 
Uh, Maybe tonight you consider yourself young at heart, at least. And you think to yourself, you just look forward to the life you will be able to live, the hope that you have, a long life, and you kind of go, how am I going to make sense of the life that I've been given? Uh, What's going to happen in my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? And you can look forward, Pops, to this long, fruitful life. Maybe you're not so young, but still young at heart, and you're down the other end of the spectrum, a little bit older, and you're in that privileged position where you can actually turn back and look back at the life you've lived. But you have this opportunity to say, what has my life all been about? How do I make sense of the life that I have lived? Perhaps you're young tonight, perhaps you're a bit older tonight, and you're trying to work out what is life all about? How do I make sense of life? I mean, we live in a world which is racked with natural disaster after natural disaster, hurricanes, tsunami, things that make us question, what is life all about? How do I make sense of this world? Perhaps you're here tonight and your life is just racked with personal disasters, a relationship that isn't going very well, a relationship that's maybe completely capitulated. Maybe you come tonight here with an illness, a sickness that you just can't make sense of. You don't know why you have it. You're struggling to make sense of the life you've been given. How do you make sense of life? Again, I want to make it clear tonight, there's something I can't do, and that is work through every single issue in your life tonight. It would take 10 minutes, probably after the service, but I haven't got that time. But what I do have time to do with you tonight is examine God's word, think upon God's word, and see that there are three events and three promises which make sense of life. The title of my sermon tonight is this, Forgiveness is here, life makes sense at last. Three events, three promises, one invitation. Three events that hold the key to life. Three promises from God that secure a full and healthy and hope-filled life. And I'm going to end tonight inviting you to embrace those promises for yourself. Uh, It would be wrong for me to tell you about these events hold out these promises and then not invite you to embrace them for your own self tonight. No pressure at the end. I'm going to invite you to embrace them, but I will do that through a prayer. Let's have a look at these three events. Open your Bibles for me uh, to page 749 in your Bibles, to Luke chapter 24. Uh, Luke chapter 24. Where we get to see three key events. Three key events. In Luke's narrative, as we come to this part of the Bible, Jesus has risen, he's appeared to his disciples, Uh, he's shown them that he is fully man, he's in the flesh, he's risen to new life. And he come, come with me to verse 45. He opened their minds, he's speaking to his disciples, his friends. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. Event number one, Christ will suffer. Event number one, we celebrated on Good Friday yesterday, the Christ will suffer. He came into the world, lived a life, and then he suffered and died on a cross. He was crucified. April the 3rd, AD 33, the Lord Jesus Christ died on a Roman cross, crying out, it is finished. It is finished. You might have seen Mel Gibson's film, 
Uh, We've seen the gruesome depiction of his death. Christians, we are big on the cross, aren't we? We are big on the cross. Some of you might be here tonight and you've got a cross hanging around your neck. We make jewellery of the cross. On every, pretty much every Christian church you go to, there'll be a cross on the roof. This church we're sitting in right now is in the shape of a cross. We are big on the cross. Good Friday, our Lord and Saviour gave up his life on a cross. He died, the sinless man, not guilty. He died for us, took our place. What's the promise that's attached to this event, the event of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on a cross? What is it? Jesus died and we get our sins forgiven. We get our sins forgiven. I mean, you might, how does that work? How, how do we get our sins forgiven when Christ died on a cross? I mean, you must admit, you look around the world, the world is not right. It's not working perfectly. And you look at ourselves and our bodies are often not working perfectly. That's the consequence of sin. Jesus died for our sin. He took our place. Sin is simply not loving God as we ought. God calls us as his created beings to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and we have not done that, not one of us. And the consequence of us not loving God as we ought is that we then don't love each other as we ought. And the consequence of that is a broken, sinful, fractured world that doesn't work very well. Event number one, Christ died for sin. He took upon himself the sin of the world. And so as he died, he bore the punishment for that sin, which is death. What's the promise attached to this great event that we celebrate yesterday? We get forgiven by trusting in his death. Jesus died for our sin and God is prepared to forgive us. God will actually forgive us if we trust in him and him alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. It is done. The penalty for sin has been paid. Will you trust in his once for all completed work? It's a good day. Christ died for us. We get our sins forgiven. Event one, promise one. Uh, Event two, have a look with me. This happened on April the 5th, AD 33. A great and glorious day. Jesus Christ, Lord and Saviour, rose from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Isn't it beautiful? Where where is my saviour? He's not here. He's alive. He's alive. Defeating death. Chapter 24, verse 46. He told them, this is what he's written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He will rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus did amazing things, like staggering things. He walked around, he met people who were sick and paralysed and he healed them with a touch, with a word. He raised the dead. He turned a small amount of food into enough to feed thousands. Jesus did and said amazing things. But this, friends, is the most amazing thing Christ did. 
rising from the dead on the third day. You know, and Christians, we've been talking about this for years. It's almost like it's become a bit normal. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he was God. He, he came into the world. He sort of gave a bit of his glory. He was a really humble guy. And he walked around, said some great things, did some great things. He died on a Roman cross. He rose to life. What are we having for dinner? As if it's just par for the course. This is staggering. Christ rose from the dead. People don't normally rise from the dead. That is not my experience. I'm pretty sure it's not your experience either. Christ rose from the dead. Uh, when I was uh, studying physiotherapy, I had the opportunity to go into an operating theatre um, and this patient that was on the operating table was having a knee, uh, some knee surgery done so that rather than knock the guy out completely, general anaesthetic, they just sort of blocked him off from here so he couldn't feel his legs. And so he's lying there, but they gave him some sedation because it was a long procedure and, you know, didn't want to kind of, you know, just wanted to have him relaxed. He's lying there having his procedure done, you know, I don't know what he was thinking about. A friend of mine who was a medical student walked in. He was running late to the operation. So he comes in, thinks this guy's out cold on the table and the uh, surgeon's kind of, you know, doing the final sort of threads through his knee and this guy who's lying there dead, he just opens his eyes, turns to the right and goes... Are they done yet? <laughs> I got to practice a bit of CPR on that guy that night. It was hilarious. He didn't expect the guy to wake up. This is the major event of Christianity. Christ Jesus, he was more, he, the guy on the table, he was not dead. This Jesus was dead, lifeless. John's Gospel record, they pierced his side. Blood and water came out. He was no longer alive. They took him down off the cross, wrapped his body up, put him in a tomb, sealed the tomb, guarded the tomb to make sure he didn't sort of sneak out and Christ rose from the dead. The text of John's Gospel tells us that the linen was neatly folded, no body, alive, raised from the dead. What's the promise that's attached to that event? Christ died, Christ is risen. What's the promise? That if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we too will be raised from the dead. That we too will live and live eternal lives. That's a staggering promise, friends. Victory over our arch enemy, victory over death. It, surely you've got to agree with me tonight that death hovers over our lives and makes us question what is life all about? How do I make the most of this life when all I to, it, occasionally it occurs to me I'm going to die? Whether you like it or not, death hangs over our heads. It's that shadow in the corner that lurks around, that creeps around, that life-rotting fear that kind of just... You think, what's, life? what's the point of life? If all I'm going to do is one day close my eyes and die. It robs life of meaning. It robs life of certainty. We just don't know what to do. It's a disaster. The disaster of death hangs over us, you and me. But friends, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. 
in the power of the Spirit, he rose. And the promise is, this is not a promise from Simon Jackson here tonight, Kirribilli. It's a promise from God. That if you trust in the finished work of Jesus, that he died for your sins, and if you trust in him, you will have eternal life. It's a promise from God himself. Eternal life. Jesus, no longer in the tomb. Linen, neatly folded, risen. Our Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise him. Event number one, Christ died. For the sin of the world, that includes you. Believe in him, your sins are forgiven. Event number two, Christ rose on the third day. Believe in him and you too will rise. Eternal life. What's event number three? It's a good question. Event number three, come with me, have a look at the text. Uh, Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 47. Well, he told them, this is what is written. For Christ will suffer and he'll rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Event number three is an event we've been celebrating for about 1979 years. That this message, the message of Christ crucified, dead, buried, but Christ risen alive eternally has been proclaimed for 1979 years to not just a small area where Christ died, but to the nations, to the world. That's the great event. That's amazing. That the message of salvation in Christ alone goes out to the nations of the world. That means that there is something in this, something in this message for everybody. Everyone. Anybody, anywhere can make sense of life. Because this message is not for a select few. It's not just for those who go to church. It's for the world. It's for the nations. This is big news. This is great news. And the proof of this particular event having significance is you're here tonight. You're sitting here, Sydney, Kirribilli, Saturday night. And you're hearing the message of you can have your sins forgiven. You can have eternal life. It's because it's for everybody. It's for the nations. The promise, the promise attached to this event, friends, is that if you repent, if you repent, you will have your sins forgiven and you'll have eternal life. By repenting, you will be forgiven. That's what it says in the text. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached. The opportunity to repent tonight is open to you. To come back, repentance, it's a strange word, it's sort of a Christian word. But the idea of repent is to turn back, to turn around, to turn back to the God who created you, the one whom you've said, God, I don't want you to have any part of my life anymore. I'm just going to walk away from you. To, to repent is to stop walking away from God and to turn and come back to him, to trust in the work of Christ, to take hold of the promise of eternal life. Three events. 
that Christ died, the sinless Saviour, hung on a tree, innocent, perfect, obedient, took my place, took your place to pay the penalty for your sin, to die the death that you deserve to die. And the promise is you believe in Jesus, you trust in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Event two, he didn't stay dead. Death had no hold on him. Death, where is your victory? Death, where's your sting? The Lord Jesus raised to life. And trusting in him, we are linked to him, we are united to him, and so we have eternal life. In event three, we repent, we come back to God, we turn back to a Father who created this world, who runs this world, who created you, created me. We come back to our Father and we get life and we make sense of life. Three events, three promises, one invitation. I can't stand here tonight, I can't sleep tonight without pleading with you to take up the invitation to come back to your Saviour, to come back to God. I can't say these amazing, staggering, talk about these amazing events that we celebrate this Easter and then say, here's some promises from God. Take it or leave it. I've got to invite you to take hold of these promises for yourself. Because these are the keys to a life that makes sense the one life you've been given by God, and to make sense of that life. A life where there's no longer fear of death, a life where there's no fear of, am I okay with God because Christ has done it all. All the sin of the world he took upon himself on the cross. I think there are three types of people here tonight, just to sort of, you know, categorise you all. I think there's a group of people here tonight who hear what I'm saying and go, yay for Jesus. Praise him. My saviour died for me. He took my place. He's risen to new life. I have the hope of eternal life in him. And you're just spending this whole weekend just in awe of your saviour. Loving it. That's the first group. I pray that you're refreshed, that you're enlivened by this. There's another group here tonight as well, I think the second group. You're not willing, you've heard tonight, but you're not willing to respond in repentance and faith. I'm not going to force you, I'm not going to pressure you to take up the promises of God tonight. But what I want you to do is consider thinking more about the promises of God. As we heard just before, Christianity Explored, come along. Open environment, you read the Bible, you can say whatever you want to say, you don't have to say anything at all. But don't don't leave up the opportunity to, to think more about Jesus. Christianity explored. Take it up. But thirdly, there's a group here tonight, perhaps you've, you've heard something I've said, you've heard God speak to you tonight, something's quickened in your heart, and you want to take up the invitation that God gives you to accept these promises. To say, yes, I will trust Jesus. He's died for my sins. Praise Jesus, I have eternal life in him. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to repent and have life. 
as a prayer up on the screen. I wonder if tonight you're in that position where you want to pray this prayer. A prayer committing yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, thanking him for the new life you have. Oh, let me read it out. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm so glad you died so that I can be forgiven and rose again that I no longer need to fear death. Please help me to take hold of these promises and start a new life with Jesus. Help me to live this new life now that life makes sense. Amen. Do you want to pray that prayer with me now? Trusting as we pray it that God will hear your prayer and that he'll answer it. I'm going to pray it line by line. Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you want to pray this prayer for the first time, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray it in the quietness of your own heart. Now let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm so glad that you died so that I can be forgiven and rose again that I no longer need to fear death. Please help me to take hold of these promises and start a new life with Jesus. Help me to live this new life now that life makes sense. Amen. Friends, if, friend, if you've prayed that prayer tonight, know that God has heard your prayer. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, can I just say welcome to the family. Welcome to God's family. Now the Bible talks about, um, the Bible speaks of when someone comes back to their father, when someone repents and trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, the angels are having a party in heaven. Um, We kind of want to join that party. Uh, If you've repented tonight, if you've come to the Lord Jesus, if you've accepted the forgiveness of sins in him and eternal life, uh, please come and see me. Uh, Fill out the response slip that you've been given tonight. Um, you know, the Bible speaks about if you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, you've, you've been born again. New life. You're a new creation. And my little girl Stella, she's a new little creation. She's only 14 months. She needs a bit of help to live. Um, I want to help you along as you start this new life, a life that makes sense. Um, please speak to me. Please speak to the person you came with tonight if you've made that decision tonight. But friends, it's a great night to glory in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing night as we get to celebrate what it means to have life and life to the full and a life that makes sense. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in us. Let's pray now and thank God for his goodness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you so much for the Lord Jesus None of us, none of us could have endured what he did. None of us could have walked to the cross. None of us could have endured the wrath that you poured out upon him. But Father, we praise you that he died for us. That he stopped breathing. That the death that we deserve, he took upon himself. Father, we praise you this night that he did not stay dead. Death could not hold him down and he is alive. Thank you, Father, that we can be linked with him through faith. We can have our sins forgiven. We can have the hope of eternal life, life eternal that starts now.
Help us to live for him, honoring him and loving him. Father, we pray it in his name, for his glory. Amen.